Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Ericsson from Greenland. Not the son of Viking warrior, Erik Thorvaldsson. Banished from Norway and Iceland for murder. The same. I suppose when you have a father like Erik the Red, you learn to fight like that. My name is Leif. I'm Harald Sigurdsson. We met yesterday. Yes, I remember. And I heard you last night. You're a good speaker. You moved many. Did I move you? Freddy said you captained your boat all the way from Greenland. You could use good ship captains who can fight. I can promise great glory if you join us in England. Glory? I thought you were going to England for revenge. We are. But true Vikings always reach for glory. It's what defines us. And we might go see Buckingham Palace as well. Uh, that was uh, Vikings Valhalla. All episodes of season one are now streaming on Netflix. James Dempsey joins us once again. Uh, so this is a spin-off, James, is it? It's like a spiritual sequel to the History Channel's drama Vikings, which I think ran for six or eight seasons, of which I have never, ever seen a single episode. <laughs> and this, um, according to all of their promotional material, is uh, set 100 years after the end of the Vikings series. Um, but uh, historically, that's completely inaccurate because the events took place 200 years after the end for the anorak- for the historical anoraks out there. Okay. And uh, this obviously is a, a big pedigree Irish production. It's filmed in County Wicklow. I know a doctor who worked as, as a COVID supervisor on the set. And uh, I will say it is a very, very handsome production, right? It looks mm. really, really, really good. The sets are incredible. The, I think, digitally altered landscape to add a few more mountains in <laughs> I okay. don't think are quite there. And certainly some snow or or, or waves that are definitely not uh, lapping off the coast of Wicklow. Um, it looks very, very smart and good. But I would describe it as a fairly perfunctory kind of like, uh, you know, swords. It's not swords and sandals, but it's like long ships and horny helmets and <laughs> and court <laughs> intrigue kind of drama, right? So, um it's about well in the opening episode we meet the uh, we meet the Eric's children uh, by that we have Eric's son Leif who famously discovered America and we have uh, okay. Freydis Eric or Eric's daughter who is also a real historical figure in in the kind of viking lore and they have arrived in I want to say Norway or I think it's Norway anyway for this big meeting of the Vikings who are going to raid England in order to enact revenge after King Ethelred the dithery (laughs) uh, you know ousted them all uh, in a bloody rampage in the opening sequence of the show and upon their arrival in Kattegat which I don't know if that is a real city in Norway or not uh, but it is a major hub in this um, world they uh, meet up with various characters including Harold Hardrada uh, and uh, King Canute the Great and Olaf Haraldsson and various other uh, vaguely quasi Scandi Nordic sounding people and some of them are real uh, you know Danes and Swedes and Finns etc Icelanders most of them are not um, and they're doing this sort of like you know, it's the kind of voice you'd expect someone in an IKEA ad to be to be uh, you know <laughs> delivering their dialogue on, and they go on various rampages. They mostly is so the the action actually gets split pretty much into two separate time uh, two separate storylines. We've got Leif leading the charge in England, where he is this sort of quiet, 
unbecoming military genius who was able to tactically work out, you know, the way to topple the English crown. And on the other hand, you have his sister, uh, Freydis, I think, uh, yeah, Freydis, who is uh, on a religious pilgrimage to Uppsala in Sweden and being chased by Christians. And a a core tenet of the story, which I don't know what it was like in in Vikings season, you know, OG Vikings, because I I never saw it. But in, uh, in this one, there's this divergence between Vikings who are Christians and Vikings who are pagans and they do not get on very well with each other and okay. can they find uh, peace amongst themselves to topple the English or will their infighting bring them down? And I would say I've, w- I've watched the entire show, right? So I've watched all eight episodes. My understanding is it was greenlit for 24 episodes and of which they have released eight. So potentially there are two more seasons of this. And uh, definitely, like this is... I would I, like I don't want to damn it with fame praise, which I am one to do. But this is just like I found it absolutely grand. Like it was, it looked great, but story wise, it was fairly just perfunctory. Like there was nothing that I didn't sort of see coming. Right now, I watch a lot of te- television, so I can see things coming fairly well. But there were almost zero surprises throughout the entire eight episodes. Yeah. The performances vary greatly. I think a huge problem for me is Sam Corlett, who's this Australian actor who plays Leif Erikson, who is our de facto protagonist of the show. He he is both given not an awful lot to do, but he doesn't do it particularly interestingly either, right? So he's just sort of going <laughs> he's around. Just the, lazy. He's just sort of going around the motions of being a Viking, and <laughs> and you know, he, he, there's no like I, I I know it's trite to compare these things to like Game of Thrones or something like that. But what made Game of Thrones really work is okay. In that you've got court intrigue, you've got war, mm. you've got really funny dialogue and really like well written and performed dialogue. And this, the dialogue is not particularly funny. The performances are all grand. The scale of it is impressive and some of the sort of artistic choices they've made are interesting like uh, and, and certainly not pleasing to every audience member. Like, you know, one of the characters, uh, Jarl Hakonen, I think Jarl, I want to say, is like Viking for Earl or leader of some kind, right? Because okay. there's, there's various Jarls <laughs> going on throughout okay. the show. And Jarl Hakon is played by Caroline Henderson, who is this uh, like mixed race Viking uh, queen of this Katagan, Katagan, uh, whose father was an African. And, uh, you know, certainly this is a character that. <laughs> I'm guessing that's not historically accurate somehow. Well, historically, Jarl Hakon was a man, definitely. We know yeah. that. So, so they. They have gender swapped him and I assume race swapped him and made Katagan, I can't remember if that was what it's called or not, uh, this multi-ethnic state with lots of different, uh, you know, uh, people living happily and peacefully together. And certainly I'd say there are plenty of uh, purists who won't like that, right? Mm. But also none of us lived in Viking times so we don't know really what it was like either, right? Yeah. (laughs) But on the whole, I just, you know, I went all the way to the end of the show I wasn't surprised at all, but I wasn't bored. I was ple- like, it, it, it sort of was fairly, fairly good, lazy Sunday TV, mm. right? Like there's a bit of violence. There's a bit of sex. There's um, surprisingly little rape used as a plot device, which often happens in these kind of like yeah. historical shows, especially where there are kind of uh, female characters who pick up the sword, right? Mm. Its main, main failing for me is the episodes vary in length. Some of them are an hour, some of them are 45 minutes, but there's only eight of them, which is not that many. And very few of the characters get developed particularly well. 
So like Leif arrives with this whole band of Greenlanders at the beginning. He, him and his sister are, you know, two of the three title leaders of the whole show. So they both get a good development. But like as for the rest of the Greenlanders, I couldn't name a single one of them. And, uh, you know, uh, there'd be times where they would speak and I'd be like, who is he? Has this person had a line in the show at all in this episode? So for me, it was just underdeveloped. But room for improvement, more so than a total and utter okay. failure. Even though from your decision, was it clear what everybody wanted? Yeah, what they all want is glory and violence and to topple England, right? So, right, so okay. they're all about destroying London and a huge part of the plot revolves around King Canut, uh, you know, stalking his way through marshlands in the UK, well, in England, I guess, as it was, uh, on their way to topple the king who has, who, who, this is not a spoiler, Ethelred, he's played by Bosco something, an Irish guy. Uh, he dies of old age in, in the second episode. So he's gone and his young son is now this sort of uh, heir, aspirant heir who is trying to take over the crown and the, the throne, but is a young guy He's a bit of a Joffrey type character, not in terms like in terms of uh, physicality. He sort of looks a bit like Joffrey does in, in Game of Thrones. Mm. He's not as downright evil, if you get me. But um, there's this whole court intrigue then involving uh, a German actress named Laura. I think her name is Laura Berlin, but that sounds wrong. Who is playing um, the Queen of England? Who is a Norman? Who's a Norman with the most German accent you've ever heard in your life for a French person? And various court intrigue while they're trying to you know topple the throne and gain the throne and Game of Thrones and blah blah blah. But um, that's the main thrust of the plot. While we also have going off religious persecution by Christians of pagans, it's kind of interesting to uh, like the Christians are downright the villains <laughs> throughout the whole piece I guess the show is called Vikings Valhalla so they are they're, they're nailing their mast to to paganism rather than Christianity but yeah. that's main that's mainly where the, the kind of conflict comes from yeah right uh, a few comments on that uh, John says uh, watch the full Vikings Valhalla series yesterday not as good as the best original Vikings but not as bad as the worst original Vikings it's only okay some of the accents are ropey. A Welsh actor doing a Norwegian accent but sounding like an Arab. Uh, Jarl is an Earl, uh, says John. Thank you. Uh, somebody else <laughs> says, um, uh, having been an extra on uh, the uh, VK and Valhalla, it really has uh, put Ireland, in particular Wicklow, on the map. And it was number two in the world to Game of Thrones. They had a much larger budget. It was an incredible experience and Vikings has to be seen to understand the prequel. Yeah, that's totally fair. I, I'm yeah. sure that is fair. I just, I, this is new and this is what I chose to talk yeah, about. Yeah, Katie on Twitter has given out about you uh, uh, that it isn't funny. Uh, it's a historical drama adventure about the Vikings, one of the most violent times in European history. I doubt there were many lads cracking jokes or one-liners, uh, says Katie. I doubt there was a, a mixed race uh, uh, villages either uh, at that time, or indeed women being allowed to do anything other than cook and clean. So they could have stuck in a few jokes, you would have thought. Uh, right, we'll move on to our second show of the day. It is Vincent Hanley, Sex Lives and Videotape. You can catch that now on the RTE player. Here's a clip. No, I, can't hear I knew in my heart of hearts that he wasn't well. We're back and now let's take a final look for this week at the latest on the American Music Newswire. He was being ravaged. He was being ravaged by AIDS. I didn't feel it was my job as a friend to interrogate him. I always say that Vincent Hanley was the biggest influence on my life and my career. 
I only knew him for the last nine years of his life. Those were dark, homophobic times in Ireland, when gay men like Vincent and I were criminalised under the law. Fair game for so-called queer bashers. There you go. That's uh, Vincent Hanley, Sex Lives <coughs> and Videotape. The voice you heard there was Bill Hughes, who obviously is a, a regular on, on this station. Uh, then again, people might know who Vincent Hanley was unless they're of a certain age. Well, I only know who he was because MTUSA appears in Reeling in the Years, huh, right? right? So yeah, that's yeah. the only that's the only reason why I know. And I don't, I don't, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think the Reeling in the Years episode delves into his death, his untimely death, mm. I think in 1984. It just sort of talks about the advent of the show and it being this, I think like the first ever music video show in Europe or something. Yes, and it, was it was every Sunday afternoon. This yeah. very kind of enterprising yeah. thing he did. So I didn't really know anything beyond that, right? And this is a very interesting documentary. It is incredibly sad, right? Mm. And and um, tragic in its own right. It is. It also left me with a lot of kind of lingering questions that I kind of wish had been further developed or answered better. Uh, it's, I will give credit to director Aoife Gallagher who made One Million Dubliners, uh, that documentary about mm-hmm. Glasnevin yeah. Cemetery. And she also made We Need to Talk About Dad with Brendan Courtney. So she has a very good and deft eye for this kind of like heart heart tugging maybe isn't the right term, but emotionally um, understanding documentary. So in it, you have Bill Hughes sitting uh pretty much looking directly to camera whenever he's appearing on camera or else he's conducting interviews. And he's looking directly into the lens. So it has this very intimate um, sort of conversational tone where he's talking about his his friendship and professional relationship with uh, with Vincent Fab Vinny, I believe he's known as, mm, uh, right. who was, you know, this up and coming broadcaster in the late 70s, early 80s, who then left RTE when the opportunities were not arising that he sort of wanted. Sign, you know, was doing incredibly well in, in London, signed, I think, with Capital FM, had this incredible agent who was Terry Wogan's agent. And uh, it was all set to go like stratospheric fame wise until he just headed off to New York. And it, Bill sort of it, the inference is that he leaves London because he he may have already have contracted HIV at this point or AIDS virus. I'm not 100 percent sure mm. of the timeline, but it follows the, you know, it follows his career growing up in sort of parochial Ireland and hating parochialism and uh, or maybe it was provincialism, but it was one of those mm-hmm. P's and moving to or moving to Cork and the sort of advent of his career. But then it also traces along sort of the lines of, I guess, gay liberation in some regards in Ireland, but also acts of homophobia. So I thought like, you know, there were a couple of times where my jaw dropped in this documentary. One of them is where they talk about the murder of Charles Self, who was this British set designer for Mm. Orty, who was also uh, Vincent Hanley's housemate and who was uh, stabbed. I mean, who had this most horrific, violent death uh, that was never solved. And uh, Vincent Hanley was not in Ireland at the time. Someone else, was a friend of his, was staying in his room who discovered his, this guy's body the next day and how tragic even that is. And sort of the insinuation, I mean, the very clear insinuation, if not declaration, of kind of homophobic policing that took place Oh, they afterwards. interviewed hundreds of gay men afterwards and it was just seen as a trolling exercise yes. so they could have a list. And, yeah. and, and to deliberately embarrass these men, mm. you know, to, to out them and potentially destroy their careers and their lives. And 
and how many of these men fled the country uh, for fear of being outed, really, mm-hmm. and walked into the AIDS crisis in New York, in San Francisco, in London, of which Vincent is another victim. The other time sort of my jaw dropped is it was right at the very end. You know, they gave the kind of very typical like year timeline, you know, born, I think, I can't remember if it was 1954 or whatever. But you're watching this footage of Vincent Hanley uh, recording segments, recording VT for MTUSA. And he looks like if you'd asked me how old I thought he was, I'd have said he was 50 something. Right. This man is 33. He is younger than I am. And you are seeing him just being, I think Bill used the word ravaged, right, by this disease there on the screen, wasting, like, you know, gaunt and 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 just miserable looking, right? And it is just this incredibly sad portrayal of, like, getting on with the job despite dying. And they talk, you know, Bill Hughes talks about how he would kneel on the ground and Vincent would sit on him and they would arrange the camera so that it would look like he was standing. Then it explores sort of the last weeks of his life and how the Irish press is sort of laying bare, you know, Vincent Hanley dying of AIDS when this is like, first of all, this is an extremely private thing. It's it's nobody's business, right? But like how he became this sort of uh, in both uh, and not just you know uh, the red tops but also the you know, papers of record shall we say right they they also uh, you know laid bare this story and, and exposed this incredibly sensitive piece of information about him you know that I think his family didn't know that various you know that he obviously he didn't want to know and they talked about this interview with Gay Byrne where Gay Byrne was almost trying to get him to confess this on the air and obviously Gay Byrne can't answer questions about that now right but that's where I sort of felt that documentary lacked a little bit of heft maybe that you know we would have Bill telling all of these anecdotes that were really really touching and sad but I didn't hear from any of other other sources like I would have loved him to for him to have spoken to Gabriel Byrne right at one point he talks about how Vincent Handley was coming home on an Aer Lingus flight and he happened to be sitting beside actor Gabriel Byrne who then helped him through the airport. And I'm like, where's Gabriel Byrne? Where's Gabriel Byrne to oh, tell me this? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, or he talks about how, you know, he, you know, he interviews Pat Kenny and it's a very interesting comparison because not exactly a like for like comparison because Pat Kenny is like a, you know, a, a, a current affairs rather, or at the time a more current affairs rather than a light entertainment, whatever that means, right, uh, broadcaster. But you can sort of chart their two careers going in two separate directions and what's the difference? Well, one is straight and one is gay, right? And that's very, very interesting but I just sort of felt like there were just parts where I wish it had leaned in more like and I think you could make the most fascinating film out of this story like you know this is like a he compares it in some of the press material about this to It's a Sin I think that's a very damning uh, comparison because I hated it. Oh, did you? <laughs> right? yeah. But but certainly it 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 could be it could make this you know really 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 interesting story. And I like I'm looking at these pictures, these production stills of Vincent Hanley. He's this handsome young man. Like mm, he mm. he looks a bit like Tom Holland, the Spider Man, if you put yeah. a mustache on him. And like you could make the most absolutely riveting film out of this or or mini series out of this. You just. I just needed more, I guess. I just, I, I was left wanting just slightly more than it gave me. Uh, now, funny now, a text just came in when you were talking. Anya says, uh, MTUSA was the best thing on a Sunday in the mid-80s. Helped me avoid studying for the intercert. I contacted RT a few years ago to see if I could get a copy tape for a Christmas present and they told me there were no recordings as all the links were live. I was gutted. Still think of it when I hear Chicago or Toto, uh, says Anya. I suppose that's... Did they kind of touch on that? Because it was huge. Um, 
if at they, the time because I, there was nothing else like it. Okay, uh, certainly I, not in Ireland. Certainly, you know. they 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 acknowledge what an incredible achievement it was to just decide you know I'm leaving London it may be under a cloud of shame and 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 running right but they do go like they they make it very clear that Vincent Hanley had this vision had this idea moved himself and a friend to New York and then enticed Bill Hughes to come over as a producer like in the early 80s and that this was like nothing else on TV mm. they maybe didn't go you know I I guess as a viewer who is younger than the show, right? As in, I you know, I wasn't around when that was on TV, on the air. But um, I, I feel, yeah, I, like I didn't get quite the sense that it was this, you know, cornerstone of Sunday TV, if you get me. But yeah. maybe that was a failure on my part. Well, by no, for, probably for a younger generation it was. And, and, and it is interesting given that what, you know, what was eventually revealed. Yeah. And, and probably a lot of them retrospectively thought, God, that's why he was looking so right. Probably, yeah. That it opened an entire generation, opened their eyes to the AIDS crisis, opened their eyes yeah. to the fact that there are gay people everywhere. Yeah, exactly. That guy that you've been watching for the last yeah. few years, yeah, he's one of them. Uh, so people are texting him want to know why you hate It's a Sin. I I don't hate it. That's a poorly chosen term, although it's what I chose. <laughs> My major issue with This Is In is um, I just hated how their female friend was just their servant who just sort yeah, of did, yeah. you know, oh, I'll make you a cup of tea. I will have no life of my own. I will mop your brow. I will, like, it was like, why can't she, you know, have a... Have, have a, a life of her own. Yeah, have yeah. a love life of her own as well. Okay, that one, that was a fair <laughs> point, it must be said. Right, our third show is Wolf Like Me, all episodes in season one now streaming on Amazon Prime Video. Here's a clip. I woke up in the woods and... and he was gone. I went to the police and... I was covered in his blood, so I became a suspect. They said he'd been attacked by a wild animal, and they thought I couldn't remember it because I was in shock. But you knew what you had done? No, I didn't remember, so why wouldn't I believe them? When did you work out that you were? I was flying back to Chicago, and I was on a layover in Rome. There was a full moon, and um, I ate an Italian family in the car park. There you go. Uh, that's uh, Wolf Like Me. So, girl meets, uh, boy meets girl, girl is a werewolf. Yawn. Seen it all before. Um, yes and no. So, it's a sort of strange little show. It's made for this Australian network called Stan, which is like a, like the Netflix of Australia, right? A streaming mm. network in Australia. And they must have done a deal with Amazon to distribute their material more in this part of the world because over the last couple of weeks, an awful lot of Australian content has just suddenly appeared on Amazon Prime. And even though it is Australian, um, you, obviously those, Amer- uh, those were American accents. So that is Isla Fisher, late of Home and Away and oh, various right, other yeah. things. And Josh Gad, who is the snowman in... Um, in uh, what Frozen, I can't remember what the snowman is called, but he also yeah, he yeah. also initiated the role in uh, the Book of Mormon, one of the major roles in that, and he's a like comic actor in, of his own right as well, and he plays Gary, who's this American who has relocated to Adelaide, Australia, uh, because his late wife was Australian, and he's raising his daughter Emma, who is played by this young actress named Ariel Donahue, who does a very intriguing performance in what is an unusual role where she's playing a depressed young child and like, you know, a child suffering major anxiety, having panic attacks uh, in therapy and so on. And uh, her performance is really kind of a very intriguing thing that is the likes of which I'd never seen before. So I really rate it for that alone. So 
the funniest thing about the show is how tonally odd it all is, right? Their meet cute is the most violent car crash <laughs> I have seen on TV in a really long time from which they escape completely unscathed which looks unrealistic but it is how our, our you know it's how Mary who's played by Isla meets Gary played by Josh and after exchanging insurance and so on they sort of spark it off and they agree to go on a date and long, the long and the short of it is it is revealed that uh, Isla is the wolf of the wolf like me right and what I liked most about the show is it's very beautifully shot. It's incredibly short. You could watch the whole thing in one sitting because it's six 30 minute, you know, episodes. Okay. And it is just tonally very strange. In, uh, deliberately, I would imagine. So it has these moments of incredible uh, tension and and drama intercut with these very warm and charming bits. Like, the, the you know, when we see them on their date in the first episode, uh, they uh, they want to go to, he's trying to lead her into an Italian restaurant which she doesn't want to go in because this harkens back to her memories of eating the Italian family <laughs> and she pulls him into a, a basement apartment and then they're having such a good time that she loses track of time and has to go running to get back to her house and it starts this comic sequence where <laughs> you know where this superhuman running takes place as she's traipsing all across Adelaide so it is at times very very funny and richly observed and then at other times it is incredibly dramatic and serious in its portrayal of like family life and mediations on grief and so on and so forth and then uh, it all comes together in you know in a, in a three hour package uh, tied up at the end very f- in, in the, with this long sort of sequence uh, I won't go into like the exact mm. details of what happens but like this long musical sequence uh, or not um, music sequence rather than musical sequence and I just found it all easy going and strange like so strange that it was kind of compelling in its own right okay yeah. fair enough yeah uh, I suppose this, why didn't she eat him but I suppose she likes him <laughs> well I don't understand why she isn't Australian that's my main sort of yeah. grievance with it because she is Australian and she's living in a, like this is set in Adelaide and everyone else is Australian but look sell in America I guess I sell in America the reason for that right so the three shows we were talking about were Vikings Valhalla all episodes of season one now streaming on Netflix Vincent Hanley Sex Lives and Videotape you can catch that on the RTE player and Wolf Like Me all episodes of season one now streaming on Amazon Video Prime James thanks a million for coming into us James Dempsey there you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk after the break paying the kids to stay off social media Moncrief on News Talk brought to you by Avant Money think you're getting the best value from your bank think again